All right. Um, now, I don't know if you remember, but Paul actually started this whole letter by talking about world mission. Brains, clog, Bibles flick. Back to Colossians 1. Have a look. Have a look with me. Colossians 1. Paul actually started this whole thing by talking about world mission. What he did was, in chapter 1, he said, I know, Colossians, that you're legitimate Christians because look at you. I can see the same fruit as I see all over the world. You're turning from idols to serve the true and living God. You're, you're living now in love and for Christ and for fellow man. And that's the same thing that the gospel has been doing all over the world. That's how I know you are legitimate. And now at the end of his letter, he comes back to it and asks the Colossians to partner with him in it. Yes, the Colossians contains lots about how they are supposed to treat each other. But also he wants them to now not just look down navel gaze, but get your eyes up. This is what the gospel does. It heals our hearts, enlivens our hearts, so that we can look up and out to bless other people. So let's dive in. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourself to your relationship with God, to speaking to Him. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I just wonder if what it would be that if people hung out with you through the week, they would say you're devoted to um, uh, might be a football team, I don't know. It might be uh, crops, it might be work, it might be this guy's devoted to his kids, this girl really loves art. What is it that if someone hung out with you for a good few weeks, they would just say you're definitely devoted to? You can be devoted to more than one thing, but if you're a Christian, would one of them be prayer? Wow, this person really seems to pray a lot. Now, this isn't a guilt trip. I do not want anyone to walk away from this talk thinking, oh, I'm so awful, I feel so guilty, I don't pray enough. Remember the good news of Jesus came to set us free from guilt. God is not a manipulative sort of parent or grandparent saying, well, you don't really come to see your grandmother very much, do you? You know, sort of that, that, that feel, oh, I really should, oh, but it makes it feel even worse because I feel like I shouldn't, I haven't, so I don't want to talk even less. No, no, in Christ, God loves you. He likes hearing your voice. He plans and wants to bless you. So he wants you to come ask him for things. I love it when my kids come and ask me for good things because I really like giving them things and then I know what to bless them with. Sometimes I'll say no. <laughs> Often I'll say no. But, but like God, that's because at least at my human level, I might know slightly better what's good for them. Devote yourselves to prayer. Christ is the king of the universe, the conquering king, and he loves to hear us speak, and he loves to give us good things. So the, the way to walk away from this talk, where it starts out just with an instruction, devote yourself to prayer, is with excitement. Your prayer life, your level of connection with God, your, your level of communion with him could grow. It can be beautiful. You, it could be so much better. Just go to him. See, if you aren't already, I want you to stop and think of this as, a, as, as an exciting moment where you could become one of those people who are devoted to prayer if that's not already the way you would think of yourself, if that's not already true for you. It's not that hard. Now, if it is, because it can be, why not start with someone else? Why not start praying with people to learn? In fact, that's actually probably how you should keep praying as well. As my good brother John here would remind me. Uh, you see, this is one of those, you remember how we talked about one of those y'all instructions in uh, Colossians, how they're like plural use. Y'all be devoted to prayer. 
Do it together. Pray together. Why don't you... I, I think early on in my time here, I gave you this idea. Why don't you end every conversation that you have at church each night with prayer? Oh, hey, can I just pray before we go? It's also a good way to tell the person that you actually need to end the conversation with, but while being quite polite at the same time. It's good. Um, <laughs> use that one for a joke. Um, but genuinely, like it doesn't have to be much. You can just say, instead of saying, yes, yeah, see you next week, say, let's pray together. Then see you next week. It could just be, God, please bless... Caleb, as he travels home so he gets there safely, uh, give him a great week, whatever it might be. If you can come to church at 4pm, if you've got one extra half an hour in your day on a Sunday, why not join us? A few of us get together in there to pray. And if you think, gee, I wish I knew how to talk to God, just hang around with John and Steve and the others and you'll learn how to talk to God. I mean, you don't have to have special words for it because you'll just hear them speak the things that really they think and be open and honest with God. Y'all devote yourselves to prayer. So come and learn by being with others who pray. Praying together is quite transformative. And if you want to grow as a Christian, I'd suggest, why don't you come along at 4 p.m.? We'll grow together. You won't, I don't think you'll stay the same if you come to prayer meeting at 4 o'clock on a Sunday. All right, now how to pray. So if, if, if this is a, a mindset we're to have, if we're to be devoted to prayer, now we're told how to do it, the, the character of it. And there's two things here, two big things but to keep going, the picture of joyful, guilt-free prayer that I was holding out to you earlier, let's look, we're going to look at the second one first. How should we pray? We should pray. Where are we up to here? Um, yep, thankfully. Thankfully, with joy. Pray like you've just got a birthday, birthday present from someone who loves you. Because you've been given so much in the gospel. Have you heard that song, Count Your Blessings? Or at least the, the phrase, count your blessings. Have you ever done it? Had a go? Just trying to list the things that are actually awesome. The things that are blessings from God. It's not something to, that you're like, oh, I didn't know that before. That will change you. It's a habit. It's a practice that changes the mindset as you practice it. So me, it's again, it's one of those things like, we, like with the physio. Remember how I was talking about the physio with my knee rehab? If I don't do the sort of the one-legged squats, like the, the physio could tell me until they're blue in the face, all you have to do is the one-legged squats. And if I don't do the one-legged squats, it doesn't matter what the physio tells me. This is the same here. We pray thankfully. Count your blessings. Spend the time stopping and saying, hey, here is a beautiful and good thing, and I'm going to actually thank God for it. Not just think, oh, yeah, that's great. God, that's really good of God. I should. No, do. Express it. Bring it to words. Tell him. Thank you. Now, the second one, watchfully, alertly. You might have in your translation. Anyone else a little confused when they were reading that one? There's a few things it could mean. Watchfully. I mean, uh, how to know how to pray watchfully. Like, I try that at home, and the kids get me in trouble for praying with my eyes open. And they're like, Dad, you're supposed to have your eyes closed. I'm not sure how they saw that my eyes were open. Kids. Anyways, um, now it could be being alert to the things going on in the world, you know. Have some sense that there was an election yesterday and that we should be praying for people who are leader, our leaders. Or it could be being aware of the needs around you, and I think that's true as well. But there's something, I don't know, I'm going to suggest, I think that's true. So be alert, be aware of what's going on. But I think there's something else possible here too. Work with me, see if you think that this might be what, part of what Paul's thinking. If we're praying and then watching and then thanking, did you see the order there? Pray and then watch and then thank. I wonder if we're to watch for the answers to our prayers. 
And a few of you sound like you've already been reading this and picked that up already in your own Bible reading because there's a few nods like, yeah, I get that. Beautiful. Uh, see, I know people who keep a prayer diary so they can record when their prayers are answered. They go back and read it and they're like, oh my goodness, actually, yeah, yep. Yep, didn't think he was going to answer that one. Wow. And so many things where either prayers were answered or they got something that they realized actually it worked out in a way that really hard, but I can see maybe, maybe God was doing this through it and that, that's pretty good too. You see how some of these things are things you have to practice. Like they're not, it might be, it's not even nice to hear in a sermon, but if you did it, these are things that would change us. These are disciplines that will change us. Pray watchfully. And be surprised at the number of things that God has answered. Prayer, watchfulness, thankfulness. Now, why do we do this? Why is this so good? Because God is good and powerful. And in a, in a, in a bit where we're supposed to, we're now switching to talk about mission and evangelism and world mission, don't lose that we just started in prayer. We just started in emphasis that there is someone out there who is worth praying to, who is good and big and powerful and wants to hear our voice because we're going to come back to that. And if we don't do have that, then the evangelism world mission part is going to be scary and make us feel helpless. Okay? So keep the prayer there. All right. Verse 3 and 4. There we go. Does that... Um... Yep, all right. So we've got 3 and 4 there already. Okay. Now, Paul is asking them here to, to, to lift their eyes. I'll read, read verses 3 and 4 to you. Or at least this might be a slightly different translation to you. Sorry, I've, I've got a weird version. Um... At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. See, God loves you, he says, but everything's not about you. He wants you to lift your eyes, lift your heart. We need to be praying, but not just praying for this, but praying for other people to come into this same faith as well. Now, I want you to see the, 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 the double element of faith that this requires, the, the double level at which God is sovereign here. He prays for two things. Not only that his, his and his apostolic group's actions would be right, that they'd go do the thing they're meant to do, and of course, which by praying for that, we're admitting that's in God's hands. Pray that we would do these right things, and that's actually in God's hands. But then even not just what we do, but the circumstances, the circumstantial things, the everyday things, that the opportunity things, the, the God things, as some people call them, all are in God's hands. Because it all is in God's hands. When you're telling your friends that Jesus is king, and that's good news because he is such a good king, do you think that it's up to you to convince them? Like, it's a normal thing for us to feel that. And I feel that when I'm sharing, if I don't do a good job, and did I convince that guy, and... But, it, but we stop and think, it's not that God won't save my friend if I don't do this right. But more than that, God is even in control of the circumstances that gave, gave me the opportunity to share that news with them. So why not start your day in prayer? Why not start your day in prayer that God will give you an opportunity? Now, if you're really scared that God might answer that prayer, why don't you pray to give you an easy opportunity? Did you know he can answer that prayer too? Think about it. I don't want to pray that God will give me an opportunity to share the gospel because I'm not going to do a terrible job at that. Well, first of all, no God can do it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I'm still scared of it. Well, pray that he'll give you one that you can handle. Pray that it'll be a chance for you to share in a, really, in a, in a way that oh, I can just be genuine and, and tell the truth. God is sovereign after all. We can pray to him for all these things. 
Let's trust him that he's good. Not saying you won't feel out of your depth when you, he does give you that opportunity, but let's lean on his goodness and lean into his gospel, his gospel agenda. Now, it's interesting what Paul says now that he wants to say to the world. Um, sorry, just the monitor up there. Is that, if that you turn that TV on, would I be able to see up there what's up here? No. Dang. Disappointing. All right. Um, but here he says um, what his content is. Do you see it there? The mystery of Christ. You see, it's one of these weird spots where Paul doesn't say, oh, open the door for the gospel, or open the door so I can s- open a door so that I can say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Here his message is what we saw back in chapter 2, what, that there was this mystery, this secret that has now been revealed, a secret that those who are far off can become close, that, that even the outsider, non-Jew, the person who is so far from God, the person who you, you know God and you really are not, you're oil and water, you're never going to mix. No, 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 that person can become connected with God through this Jewish Messiah, Jesus, this, this figure that might be so alien to you, but Jesus says, no, every single one of you, you can be connected. Just as God had always promised in Abraham, I promise every person on earth will be blessed, but now it's been revealed, Jesus is how it happens. That's, the, that's the, the content of his message. Now, we come forward to now the, the, the responsibilities. What it is that he wants, what it is that, 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 that we do. Now, after two sections with a, a big emphasis on prayer, setting our minds on the fact God's in control, here's, here's the local mission. And the prayer element isn't just necessary because God is sovereign and we need him. We need to keep this in our heads so that we do not freak out. So that these instructions aren't anxiety producing. So that instead they are comforting and encouraging. Because God is in charge. God is love. And now we can work within the context of that. Now, um, this bit uh, is, the verses 3 and 4 together is actually like one long sentence. Um, In the English, you've got to manage it so you sort of break it up into small sentences for our Bibles. So you may not get in your translations this particular link. Um, The prayer for opportunities is so that I might make it known as I should. So it's not two separate commands to pray. I'll read verses 3 and 4 together so that you'll hear it read out. At the same time... Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains so that I may make it known as I should. So that. Pray for the opportunity so that it becomes revealed. That's what he wants. He wants people who have not yet heard. And this is exciting because this is what RJ and Haley are up to. They are up to revealing. They want people from a, a country or a people group that does not have the Bible in their own language to have access to this, this truth, to reveal something that's true. And so for us to pray this afternoon, to pray tonight, to pray again as we will later, for that to happen, for God to open that door, is us obeying this command. To pray that people may have a door open, that the mystery of Christ will be revealed to people who didn't realize that they could be close to the God of the universe, that they were loved by him. 
Now, in terms of the opening doors for Paul, I mean, bloke's in prison, so maybe he literally means opening the doors so he can get out and do a bit more evangelism. But, I mean, in Philippians, he seemed pretty keen to stay in prison because he... Re- in the, sorry, the book, not in the city, in the book of Philippians. He realised, actually, this was... I was actually getting more opportunities. So there's a real joy for him, even as he goes into a hard place. You know, um, Simon and um, Lucinda are going to a hard place. RJ and Haley might be going to a hard place. The cost wasn't the issue for, the, for him. The issue is the beautiful opportunity to reveal the gospel. Now, it's important to get that, that right, that revealing part. Because uh, does anyone here have a Bible that says, pray that I may make it, pr- say it clearly or something like that, proclaim it clearly? Yep, a few people have got that in your Bible. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, oh, that's what it's up there. Yeah, great. The problem with that is that it, it, it limits that word to just one thing, which is like the way you speak to not screw it up almost. And that's, that's like pressure, right? <laughs> Feels like, oh, we're going to proclaim it clearly. But I think, I think it could bring to mind any one or all of these three different things. See, pray that I, pray that I will make it known... Well, first of all, like, I, brilliant choice of kid song, by the way. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't hide it under a bushel, no. Well, that's pretty easy to do. So pray that I will reveal it as I should, because I could keep it under the bushel. When that opportunity comes up, I might not identify the opportunity. And so that's the prayer. Pray that you identify the opportunity, not just that you, it happens, but then that you actually, hey, pray God that when this comes up, I'll, I'll get it and I won't be a dummy. And I'll see it. Please pray that that will be like that. And that will require some, some, some wisdom. Now that comes from verse 5 where it talks about, talks about um, acting wisely. So, so think about this. Maybe prepare. Maybe, maybe ask for tips. Maybe, do you know some people here who share the gospel regularly? I know a couple. <coughs> Jared Coo. <coughs> um, and other people. Other, there's lots of people here who share the gospel regularly. And that's just part of the habit of life and part of the habit of their words. Why not ask them? If you don't know how to do it, we, got re- we have resources here. We have old men, old women who have been doing this for a long time. Ask them how they do it. Learn from each other. Making, um, uh, identifying, in terms of op- identifying opportunities, um, making the most of every opportunity is actually a translation for the Greek phrase, buying up the time. Like the, the, the image here is of like a, a bargain shopper on Black Friday or the Boxing Day sales, like bursting into the stores trying to grab the bargains while they're there. Making the most of the time. Snap up the bargains. Think strategically about your day and about your mission and your ministry. So ask, ask people at church how they share the gospel. Identify opportunities. Pray that I will make it known rather than miss the opportunities and miss how to use them. We only get so much time. So it's worth spending a moment or two planning for that time, right? And once again, don't do this alone. Do it together with your, with your, um, do it together with your church. I mean, why not do it with your family over dinner even? Like, think about it. Family dinner, you're there and, you know, you're, you're having your dinner and maybe you're thinking partly about the next day because you are really nervous. You are planning on trying to invite your friend to this you know, um, evangelistic meeting or you want to talk to them about Jesus if you can. You're praying it's going to happen and you feel all alone and in your own world about it and the kids are buzzing there and, and your, your um, housemates are over there doing their thing or whatever. And, oh, hold on, actually, no, I don't have to be disconnected from that world and be in my own world sort of worrying about this. I could solve all of these problems by actually opening up 
and talking to my family, my housemates, uh, calling my family if I don't live with any Christians, or calling my church family if I don't live with any Christians, and saying, oh, this is what's going on for me. Can you pray with me? Can we talk about this? So don't do mission on our own. Make the most of your opportunities by doing, working together on them. So it could mean, so it could mean, what have I got here? It could mean the ability to identify opportunities. Pray that I'll actually reveal it. So I'll actually reveal it when the opportunities come up and not miss them. But the second thing it could mean is to pray for the, for the courage to say it. Maybe we are just too scared. I wonder if Paul may be even here praying for the courage too, for himself, that we would pray for, that, um, he was asking the Colossians would pray for him to have the courage. That's a prayer I need to pray for myself. But also, there is that third possible meaning to make it known, is to do it in a clear way. Guess, get the message in a way that makes sense to them. Now, as much as um, Haley and RJ have and are praying for the first two ones, this is the unique aspect of their ministry. They are going to learn how to do a Bible translation to a foreign language so that they can reveal the secret, reveal this, this secret that God had that's now revealed that people can be God's friends and to make it understandable at a heart level. So that's that. these are things that we can be praying for. All right. Uh, now the second one. Not just how to pray, but then also how to speak. How to speak. We're in verse 6. If you, could, you guys at the back can do the controlling for me because I've got no idea what's going on. Um, bring it to verse 6. Do you notice the argument form here in verse 6? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Is that a little hard to work out why one would lead to the other for you? was for me for a long time. I'm starting to get it, I think. But the argument form is a funny one. Always speak with grace so that you'll be prepared when. Always speak with grace so you'll be prepared when. Principles, Paul's principle here is that our habits equip us for the spontaneous. Our regular speech prepares us for the one-offs. Our everyday boring makes the scary one-offs much easier if we build good habits. See, if I'm practicing speaking with grace, speaking with a favour that people don't deserve, uh, about the saviour who, who died for people who don't deserve it, if my manner is grace, my content is grace, if that's my normal, well, then I'm going to be fine when the opportunities come up because it's normal for me to talk about grace. I've talked about this stuff heaps. I may even have said some of the exact words I end up saying in that conversation plenty of times before. So what's your normal speech like? Do you speak with grace, with favour, that the other person doesn't even necessarily deserve? Might make it easy to share the gospel with a workmate who's been a bit of a jerk to you. Would people comment on the fact that when you talk to them, they feel that your interest in them and care for them, your favour of them, well, the relationship hasn't even maybe earned it that much yet, but you still give it to them anyway? It's a powerful habit to build, speak with grace, to speak of grace. You do it at home, with your kids, your housemates, mum and dad, with the checkout chick at the IGA, with a bloke who just cuts you off in traffic. Harder. Speak with grace. Do you ever talk about grace, about the good things God has given you? See, this goes with the thankfulness. Not making up things that sound holy, but because that morning you stopped and thought, you know what? You know what I'm really thankful for? Um... You know, 
I was going to say that Arsenal didn't lose the other day, but they did, they, so it's, it's terrible. Um, like, you know, you, you would stop and think what really matters to you, what are the things that you care about that, that you know, my, my, my kid made a good friend the other day at school. Something that, that deeply matters to you, and thank God for that. Now, now your thankfulness is not sort of, I've got, to, I've got to say something thankful because that's the Bible said so, but I've actually, I'm actually, the things that I love God for, the things that he's genuinely given me, I can let free. Speak freely. Do you, do you remember me challenging you guys, uh, maybe it was a couple of months ago now even, maybe a few weeks ago, I can't remember, that we need to set ourselves a new normal at church, that after church, it would be beautiful if we sp- spoke about faith things. You know, this is the one moment in the week where you're doing God stuff. So let's talk God stuff after church. So remember that? Well, I also had this passage in the back of my head when I suggested that. You see, what you're able to talk about in a relaxed situation you could probably stumble through, even in a stressful one, right? So what we're unpracticed at talking about, even in the company of our church family, like the people that we are united to by that very faith, how are we ever going to share that in a less welcoming environment if we can't talk about it with each other? I've got this theory. I've got a theory that it's nearly impossible for a church that doesn't talk to herself, within herself, about faith, and about life to reach their city. Like, I just can't see how it could work. Because if, if, if that's her, if that's that, that church, then that church is unpracticed at talking about her faith, even to herself. So how can you do evangelism? So church, let's let some barriers down here. Here where there is some love, let's talk about our hearts and about God, honestly. You'll be heard with joy by the people you talk to. We all share the same faith. Let's help each other get used to it. Let your speech always be full of grace so that when that time comes, you may be able to know how to answer everyone. Now, lastly, there's got to be some flavour to it. Now, this text is kind of difficult to pin down exactly what it means. What does it mean to add salt, to season your speech with salt? Lots of theories, a bajillion theories in all of the, um, in all of the uh, different commentaries and literature over the years. Now, I'm going to suggest something. Now, it's clear that what it is, it's meant to add flavour to it. It's meant to make it, make it real and appealing. That part is clear. And I'm not sure that what I'm about to say is, is the only thing Paul had in mind specifically, but it's definitely in line with what he's saying. I want to suggest that one way that Christians might season their speech with salt, and hear me, this is not thus saith the Lord, I'm 100% right. This is Pete's Pete's theory that I think is wisdom, and I think is in line with what Paul says, is honesty. Now, what I mean by that is, we live in the age of advertising, right? Everyone is trying to sell you something. I can sit here, right, and I can see advertising, like in a church church building, right? Everyone is trying to sell you something. But you, your journey, your faith, your life, that is real. That, that, that is a deeply experienced and, and important and embedded in real experience thing. So when you're sharing the gospel, I want to encourage you, don't trot out some gospel presentation that you've heard exactly line by line in a way that's got nothing to do with you and your story. Sure, use it as a structure in your head to make sure you don't miss out bits of the gospel that are important. But don't just read it out like a robot. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, you are interesting. And your story is interesting 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Right? Matthew 5.13. Get to know your own story. Because if you're a Christian, your story is a little testament to God's big story. And so as you tell your story with God, you are telling the gospel in a salty way, in a real you, earthy way. In an interesting way, because you and your story, I guarantee you, are interesting. Now, I know most of you probably don't think that that's true. Some of you maybe don't think it's true. But I guarantee you that if your story is real and about your genuine journey with God, that it is powerful. And if you think your story is boring, that's because you either don't know the gospel well enough yet or you don't know your own story well enough yet. So, last little suggestion. If we're going to season our speech with salt, make it not feel like we're selling something, but rather we're, we're, we're beggars who found bread and we want the other people to know about it. Why don't after church you ask the person next to you or tell the person next to you about your story with Jesus? Start to unpack it with them. And if they happen to be a Christian and love Jesus, ask them why they love him so much. And if they don't know Jesus yet, but they're here, then fantastic. You're going to have an interesting story. Their story of why they rocked up at a church and they don't know Jesus and not a Christian. Why are they here? That's a beautiful story for you to hear and, and hear their, the real truth of theirs and share yours. Why don't you do that with each other tonight? That would be a, that would be a rich way to spend a Sunday evening. All right. Now we're about, to, we're about to pray together. We're about to sing God's great gospel story together. But prayer and world mission, normal things that come with it are guilt and helplessness. But the good news of Colossians is that this does not have to be because guilt and shame with God is gone. And we go to him now always and every day in Christ with a clean slate and with a smile on his face towards us. He wants us to speak to him. And we do, and we do world mission like that. <laughs> With, with, with joy because we've got a dad who's going to make everything fine when we get there. We can pray to a heavenly father who is in control of all the things that matter and as much as our hearts might break and ache for people who don't yet know Jesus and, and the fact that they're not reconciled to God, that our God has actually got it all sorted out and we can pray and so the helplessness feeling that you have when it's all on me and how are we going to, oh man, how is Soul Church going to reach Hobart and how are we going to, and how are we going to, and how are we going to, we've got him. We pray. That removes the helplessness. Because as always in evangelism, as always in life, God does the heavy lifting. And we're the recipients of the goodness. I'm going to lead us in prayer now. And then we're going to sharing the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this exhortation. It comes at the end of a, a lot of theology about how, how Jesus is the king of the world. And we thank you for that because it means that our helpless feeling at times of are we really going to ever win the nations, that we don't need that. Because we've got a God whose plan is to win all the nations, who will win all the nations, and who will bring all of those who he chooses home to him. So, Father, we pray as your kids that you might include us in your big project and let us, let us get at a little bit of it. Father, please, open a door for us, a door to us for the word, that we might speak, that we might make known the mystery of Christ, 
like we should. Father, help us to act wisely, making our habits good, buying up the time so that our speech is always gracious in tone and in content so that when those opportunities come up, it be normal for us to talk about your grace to us. And so because it's grace that, we're, that it's your, your mercy, your favour, you just, you, just, you just love us beyond what we deserve because that's the content in every, of everything tonight. Father, we are thankful. Thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen.